My name is Josh Labity, and you're listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, trains, and connects young conservatives ages 18 to 25, equipping them to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved, visit forgeleadership.org. As I think about young leaders, as I think about where you guys are right now, I'm always thinking about what you're going to be 10 to 15 years from now. Are you still going to be faithful to the call of God on your life? Or do you decide to compromise in some way? And compromise doesn't always look like a moral failure. Let's get that, let's get that straight. Sometimes compromise looks like you came in with good intentions of, hold, of holding on to the values that you, that you are, that you are co- completely dedicated to now. And then by degrees, because of pressure, political pressure, because of peer pressure, you kind of go off a little bit and you don't hold to the, the faithful truth of the gospel, the faithful truth of the things that you uh, stand for even now. So today my talk is, is called basically Embrace the Call. That's what we're going to talk about today. You look at our culture right now, it is completely chaotic. I don't think there's any other way of, around it. We live in a chaotic culture. And in light of everything that's been going on, in light of even what happened yesterday in Texas, we desperately need leaders who are not just in this for themselves or in it for their own fame, fortune, or recognition, but are actually in it to give themselves for not, not only for their, for their nation, but ultimately for the sake of the gospel to make a difference in the world. Because the gospel is still the only thing that's going to change anything. It's not your great political ideas, believe me. Oh, Capitol Hill up there, let me tell you, every idea, every good idea that you can think of right now, it's probably been discussed already. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that's not innovation. I'm just saying, like, everything has been discussed up there. The, the problem is we have men without chest who are leading our nation. If you read it, C.S. Lewis, we have men without chest who lead our nation in a lot of ways. And so you have to be people of conviction. You have to be people that are willing to stand regardless of what the consequences may be. I am shocked at, at sometimes when I look at just the state of the church, okay? There was just a, there was just a, a poll that came out uh, last week. George Barna put it out, and he did a survey about pastors and biblical worldview. You probably already talked about this. I see heads shaking. But it's astonishing, Okay. Come to find out that, you know, in the survey that only about 37% of pastors and pastors mean a senior pastor, associate pastor, executive pastor, youth pastor, and then children's pastor. They, they did five levels of pastors. Only 37% of pastors actually have a biblical worldview. What, is the, what are the ramifications of that in our churches and for our next generation of leaders? And when you get down to like, when you dig down into like what children's pastors and youth pastors, only about 14% of them actually have a biblical worldview. That's astonishing. And the church is supposed to be God's arm for the redemption of of the world, right? (laughs) But that has vast ramifications because they're training in your churches. They're training not only just pastors, it's you guys training the next generation of leaders. So whether you go into business, whether you go into government, whether you go into medicine, law, whatever it may be, it has vast ramifications of what we're learning in our churches right now. So you have a chaotic culture with a church that is like drifted away from biblical values. 
And there's no, there's no wonder the culture is, is as crazy as it is because there's no prophetic witness out of the church that, that lets the culture know that there's a greater kingdom that's already here and a greater kingdom that's coming. Does that make sense? So my goal today is to encourage you to embrace the call. Here at ADF, we get to work with clients who have embraced that call, who have decided that they would rather lay, lay aside their lives, their businesses in order to stand for the truth of the gospel. There are people like you guys already know, Jack Phillips, Baronel Stutzman, Chief Kelvin Cochran, Chike Uzabunum, Jack Ditton, who's a student at Florida State who stood up for his faith. There's all these people, young and old, even Lydia, Lydia, who was eight years old, who stood up for her faith because she wanted to wear a mask that Jesus loves me on it. Uh, and she stood up for her faith as her teachers told her that she could not wear that mask because it was not a proper message to wear in schools. As an eight-year-old little girl, she stood up for her faith because she felt like th that Jesus loved me was a message that all the students needed to hear. It wasn't a political message. It was a message of hope in the midst of a pandemic. And so we, you have the opportunity to make a stand and that stand has to be one that you are not easily swayed by public opinion. You're not easily swayed by the culture. You're not easily swayed by anything. You, you set your face, as it says about Jesus, he set his face like flint to Jerusalem light. He would not budge. He was ready to go and die. And you have to be ready to make the decision that come what may, come what might. I do not care if my friends betray me. I don't care who, who turns. I'm going to stand strong, all right? So today we're going to talk about embracing the call, and there's three things or three areas. I know it doesn't work perfectly, but you'll get it in, in a minute. So your call is to embrace, number one, biblical over political. And when I say biblical over political, I'm talking about biblical, what we know as servant leadership, the state in the Bible, over politi a political spirit. That's what I'm trying to say. There's nothing wrong with politics. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, Let's, let's analyze this here. So we know servant leadership, biblical leadership, the leadership that Jesus displays and exemplifies is one of somebody, someone laying down their lives for the sake of another. Humility is not the absence of power. Humility is strength brought under control. He had all the power but instead of using his power for his own sake, he used his power for the sake of others and end up giving his life for it. And as leaders, as servant leaders, you have to understand that whatever position or title, whatever, wherever you go in this life, the favor that God gives you is, not with, is never for your sake. It's always for the sake of another. It's never to enrich yourself. Now, I'm not against you succeeding, believe me, I'm going to tell you disclaimer right here. I want all of you to be wildly successful. I want you to be, you know, financially successful. And when you do, I want you to write a check to the Marcus Harris College Education Fund because I have four kids I have to get through college eventually, okay? So no poverty mentality here. I want you guys to be wildly successful. But if it's just for your sake, just for your family, and just about you succeeding, then you've missed the mark of what true biblical leadership is. See, political leadership is only worried about, 
is only worried about how does this make me look? If I take this stand for truth, or if I take this stand for life, or if I take this stand for religious freedom, how is it going to make me look in the public eye? And so political leadership will sway with the wind. Wherever, wherever public opinion goes, that's where they go. But as believers, as Christian leaders who have been raised up, you can't live that way. You don't have that option. You just don't. Now, if you think you have the option, don't call yourself a Christian leader. I'm just telling you, like, you don't have the option as a Christian leader. As a Christian leader, you are called to literally lay down yourself for the sake of others. And that looks different in different places. But you have to be committed to that. Does that make sense? Uh, you guys are tracking with me. I'm, I'm glad. I got some, got an amen corner over here. That's good. <laughs> so you have to embrace biblical leadership over, over political. It is extremely important. And let me give you an example to kind of better frame this. So as a, when I was an intern director, one of the things that my interns would struggle with, especially as they would transition from the internship and going to work on Capitol Hill, you know, depending on what office you work in, not all, all offices on Capitol Hill are created equal. Believe me, <laughs> there's some amazing offices uh, that you can work in and some that you would just rather just like, how did you become a congressperson and how in the world did <laughs> do you run this office because this is a hot mess over here. And a lot of times what will happen is that I would get my interns will come back and say, hey, it's just kind of, it's just like, everybody's just watching out for themselves. They're, they only do work when the congressman or the chief of staff comes around. All, every other time they're goofing off, they're trying to find the next Capitol Hill party. They're only talking about what they're doing on the weekends. And it's just like, everybody has this, it has this, they're smart, they're, they're savvy in the fact that they know where to show up, when to show up to be seen by people, but when it comes down to like really doing the work and doing it when no one is looking, you can't, they can't be trusted. And I have to tell them that, okay, that's true, but remember your goal is to honor God in all ways and all things, even when no one else is looking. You have to trust that God sees you, he knows you, he knows your address, and that if you actually believe the Bible, that promotion does not come from the East or the West, that promotion comes from who? God. If you believe that, then rest assured that when your time comes, I don't care what they do, I don't care if they put a big old neon sign over their heads and saying, look at me, look at me, and they take credit for all your work, rest assured when the time comes, God will promote you. And it's happened every single time because he's faithful because he because he knows that when you stay faithful to what true servant leadership is right that in due time you will be promoted you will be recognized i think sometimes we try our best we try so hard to be recognized by men that we forget that the the greatest recognition is to be recognized by god and so you have to stand strong with that okay moving on because i could preach a whole sermon on that we can do an altar call have all type of pass an offering plate and be amazing. All the all the funds will go back to four, so don't worry. No, 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 no. I would I wouldn't do that here. Uh, that would be unethical. All right. Next, faithfulness over relevance. Oh, this is a huge one. So 
currently in the church, there there is this, and this is nothing new. So I'm not trying to say, oh, it's, it's brand new to American church culture. It's been it's been since eternity's past, since the church has been in existence. But there is this fight to try to appear relevant in the culture. And in your the fight to appear relevant, we lessen our pursuit of God. Basically, church has become in a lot of ways what makes men comfortable instead of what does God actually welcome? What does actually God actually desire? It's become more about man's comfortability and more and less about God's actual presence being in the room. There was a Chinese pastor who came over here years ago and there were there were a number of church leaders in the at, at, in the Dallas, Texas area. And he and he went to go speak at a number of churches, huge churches, mega churches. Went to go speak at these churches and these pastors, there were about five or six of them, that were these pastors, they took him out after after you know he went to speak at all these churches. They had like these special services, combined services. Anyway, long story short, they they thought that he would be impressed with all the lights and how big their sanctuaries were. And they, so they sit down to lunch with him. They ask him, they said, you know, what do you think about the, you know, our services? What do you think about the American church? You know, how, or, and what asked, how, how can we improve? And he sat back in his chair uh, sitting at, at this, at this restaurant. And this is all he said. He said, it's amazing how much the American church can do without the Holy Spirit. You guys have lights. You guys have amazing rock bands. Like, it's, a, it's amazing that you guys can mimic the Holy Spirit the way that you do with actually no spirit in your churches at all. We're called to embrace faithfulness over relevance. And faithfulness is, faithfulness is not always popular. But what do we want to hear at the end of the day? Well done, die good and faithful servant. So last year when I spoke to this group, I preached a whole sermon on faithfulness. And I'll just give you guys a summation. You're called in the scripture, Jesus is revealed. You can look, find in the scripture as the faithful son, the faithful priest, the faithful witness, and the faithful steward. And because he's revealed as the faithful, faithful in all of these areas, we're called to be the same faithful in all these areas. Faithful sons and daughters, faithful priests. Because remember, we are a royal priesthood. And at the end of the day, when this all thing all goes down in Revelation, we are called a priesthood. Right? Faithful priest, a faithful witness, martyrian, the Greek word for martyr, uh, the, where we get our English word martyr from, witness. You're a faithful witness and a faithful steward. That's what you're called to do. And it doesn't matter. I, I want you to get this. Because I know as young leaders, as a young leader in my 20s, I struggled with this. I always wanted to be known. Uh, I always wanted significance. It wasn't money for me. It was never about money. I just wanted to do something to change the world. I struggled with this fight. I want to be significant. But then when I didn't get the, I didn't have the title or the position I wanted, I, I judged myself or my value based off of the title or position I had. And let me tell you, the title or position that you have, it doesn't I pulled a Joe Biden there, I whispered. <laughs> I missed my speech. Hold on, I gotta go back. Your title and your position at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Because all you're called to do is be faithful whatever God has placed into your hands. 
You see the progression? When you're a biblical servant, God will, God will reward you and he will promote you. But we're not looking for the title either. We're not, we're not seeking a title. We're not seeking a position. Now, there's nothing wrong with ambition. There's something wrong with selfish ambition. Nothing wrong with ambition. Once again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. But when you let that become the defining factor of your life, you will make compromises to get that position or title if that's all you're looking for. Now, I've seen many shipwreck their faith in order to get a position and title. And when they get that position and title, they find out, oh, this is not what it was all cracked up to be. I thought this is what I wanted, and this is not what I wanted. Listen, I worked in the federal government with, you know, technically I was an employee of the White House. So I worked with a lot of, lot of cool people. I can name names right now. You're like, oh, that's cool. But l- listen, all of them, every single one of them, still had to go home at night and still had to recognize that their position didn't define them. Matter of fact, what's most important is that, well, when you get to this level, when you get to this part in life, if God ever so chooses to bless you with that, the most important thing is I'm a faithful husband and I'm a loving father. Because that's what I'm going to be judged by. Like, who cares if I got like a million followers on Instagram, which I don't, I never will. But it, it doesn't matter in the long run because it's the things that the, Rest assured, the things that the world calls important is definitely not the things that God calls important. It's not of any value to him. He uses the weak things of the world to confine the strong, to bring, to make humble the strong. All right, moving on. Last thing, eternal over temporal. You have to live your life recognizing that you're living not for the here and now, not for this age but you're living for an age to come. The age to come is the most important thing about your life right now. Let me tell you this. I used to tell all my FRC interns this, and I tell interns now, this entire life that you have is an internship. This is your internship. We don't, get the, we don't talk about eternity enough. We don't talk about eternal rewards enough. We don't talk about like what the millennial kingdom is like partly because it's kind of, you know, there's still mystery behind it and we, nobody, no theologian can fully tell you everything. But I will tell you this, that there's enough scripture, there's enough understanding of what is to come to know this, that the millennial kingdom, Christ ruling and reigning, is what we're living for. And guess what? You have a part to play in that as well. You're not angels. You don't fall on clouds to play harps. And neither do they, actually. <laughs> You get a glorified body and you get to do you get to be a part of the of the reconstruction project of all of all the earth or bringing the earth back into what it was originally supposed to be into the Garden of Eden. Because that's what he's going to do. Heaven and earth are going to merge together like this is what you were made for eternity. Don't sell out eternity for temporal. For things that are just right now that are going to die with you. Like. Focus your heart on eternity. Focus your heart on things that are going to matter, that, that will outlast you. That's what you want. You want something that's going to outlast you. And if it's all about your name, your title, your position, your authority, all the good things, it's all going to pale in comparison at the end of the day. Because what matters the most is that you, you put your heart and mind on things that are, are eternal. Colossians 3 says, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you will also be revealed with him in glory. You prepare for, you're preparing for glory, not for some 
for some 70 to 80 years that at most in your strength that you'll get, as Moses said in the Psalms. Like this life is important, but you have to understand that there's another life coming that's most important. And the last thing I'll say right now, I think the two most important books in the Bible for believers, you can disagree with me if you want, but just for me right now where we're in our culture, I think the book of Hebrews is extremely important and the book of 2 Timothy. Book of Hebrews because you're looking at a church who went through a massive amount of cultural shift and persecution within the Roman Empire. They started out so well. And then by degrees, their faith started being challenged. And as the intensity in the culture grew, their faith waned because the intensity grew. And Paul, and I believe it's Paul, but we can debate that too. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, maybe James, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews is telling them, listen, do not let go of your faith because your faith has great reward in the, in the end. Don't give up. I don't care what happens. I, I don't care if a pandemic comes. I don't care. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Come what may, come what might. You are part of a greater kingdom. And if you hold on to the, to the understanding that that kingdom, even in the midst of the chaos, even, even though you don't see the, the full manifestation of that kingdom yet, because we live in the, in the yet, but not yet. We live in the kingdom, but the kingdom hasn't fully manifest. If you keep that understanding in the, at the end of the day, you will come out on top. So I think Hebrews is extremely important. But the second book is 2 Timothy, because 2 Timothy is written to leaders. And Christian leaders, obviously, Paul is writing to pastors, but I think it can, it can translate to all Christian leaders about how you're supposed to stand in the midst of a culture. If you remember, Timothy had an issue with fear. If you go back to 1 Corinthians, Paul even tells the Corinthians, he said, I'm going to send Timothy to you and give him no reason to fear. So we know that for, and then 2 Timothy was written about a decade or so later. So we know for at least over a decade, at least in a Timothy's, Timothy's adult life, he struggled with the issue of fear and usually the fear of man. And so he gets to 2 Timothy and Paul tells him, you guys know the famous verse, you know, he said, for God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, Fear, but of power, love and of a sound mind. And he tells them to suffer as a good soldier in Christ Jesus for the gospel. He says, I need you to fan in the flame, fan in the flame, the gift of God that's in you by the laying on of my hands for God has not given you a spirit of fear. So what was he telling Timothy? Most commentators believe that Timothy had a spiritual gift, maybe a teaching gift or something that was in him that was laid dormant because fear had over, overtaken him. It was there on the inside of him, but because of fear, it laid dormant. And Paul is telling me, listen, you need to stoke, stoke that fire. You need to fan that in the flame because it's needed right now more than ever. And I'm telling you guys the same thing. Don't cower because don't cower back because of somebody or somebody, you know, saying that you're a bigot or you, you know, you're oh, you're crazy Christian, you know, whatever they say about you. Do not do not do not jump back in the fear because the gift that's required to redeem this nation and to say and to save this world is laying on the inside of you right now. But if you let intimidation and fear overtake you, listen, the gift is there. It's just laying dormant. And I think some of us need to fan that gift in the flame, including me. Don't be afraid. Don't be. And then Paul tells him the last thing he says, don't be ashamed of my chains or the gospel. And he says this one last important part. He says, for the gospel is not chained. The word of God is not chained. Like I can go to prison 
Paul said, I can go to prison, but listen, the word of God will endure. They can, they can martyr, try to martyr, kill all of us, and the word will still endure. So trust that as you're embracing your career and as you're, going, as you're growing in your career, as you're looking at career prospects, biblical over political, faithfulness over relevance, eternal over temporal. That's it. Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you like the show, please drop a review in your podcast app and be sure to subscribe for all of our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, please visit forgeleadership.org.